Thank you for tuning in to the Life of KG podcast. We are all about helping you guys in the beauty industry. Whether you're starting out in this industry or been in the business for years, we want to motivate you, educate you, and support you to grow. Enjoy the show. Welcome back to A Life of KG. Today I'm interviewing Joe Halls and I'm really excited to interview Joe because we kind of found each other through Facebook and connected on Instagram and after a few messages back and forth I was so intrigued in her stories. Now she's exited from her salons and she's got another salon now but she's sold such salons very successfully in the past and I think as salon owners it's not something that we always look at. We don't think of planning for the future of exiting our companies and I think it's a very very important thing to actually think of and go over because one day you might want to sell your salon and I just wanted to talk to Joe about her journey through this and find out more about her so without further ado here she is. Joe, thank you very much for coming on the life of KG how are you? Yes very good good this morning. Good. So for those that are listening, can you please introduce yourself and just tell everyone what you do? Okay, so I'm Jo, yeah, Jo Halls, and I'm ultimately a hairstylist, beauty therapist, and a salon owner. I co-own a salon that um, with my niece, we took over last March. It's been a year of open, closed, open, closed. Mm-hmm. I'm also mum, wife, I've got property development business with my husband, what else do I do? I'm a watercolour artist, a bit random. Oh, wow. Um, and we've got a boutique within the salon, so we've been selling clothes online, you know, via Facebook and things like that. So that's been quite good. And uh, I'm just about to publish a book. I've got a product range, so hair and skincare range, just about to come out as well. So loads of streams of income, all sorts of things going on in my world. Yeah, you are super busy. I want to know how you're managing all of that. <laughs> it just ticks along fine, so... So how long have you been in the hair and beauty industry? Can you take me way back from like to where you started? So I remember being 13 and thinking that's what I want to do and um, braving telling my teacher and saying, you know, I really want a career in hair and beauty. And I remember her looking at me and saying, Joanne, at this school, we have a hairdresser. We don't become one. And I was literally mortified. Um, it was quite an academic school, not that I was particularly academic in there. And I remember going home to my dad and say, and you know, telling the story. And he he was like, "You what?" And uh, we lived in a pub at the time, like a fun pub. And he was like, "Chris, have you got a Saturday job for my daughter?" <laughs> <laughs> so uh, I was thirteen, and I went into this salon and for the Saturday job, and just remembered, oh, I just thought, how could this be work? It was so fun and cool and vibey, and so. Yeah, I got this Saturday job at 13, so I went to college, did, you know, other things from there, but that was my first experience of walking in the salon, and I knew I had to be brave, I remember, I don't, you're probably too young to remember Wurzel Gummidge, but um, I, there was a programme about this Wurzel Gummidge scarecrow, and I, I literally thought, right, this head can cope, I was quite shy, and uh, I still do it now when a client comes into the salon you think oh Mrs Smith's a bit scary yeah head on this one can cope with anything morning Mrs Smith and um (laughs) yeah so I was 13. 
Wow. And so, okay, so you started the industry at 13, but then you've gone on to opening your own salons and multiple branches. So when, take me through that journey, what made you then open up your own salon? Um, so I, from, I sent that Saturday job a long time, but um, while I was at college, I had that Saturday job and then I had a Monday job, a beauty salon. I mean, I do prefer the apprenticeship scheme of, bit, of um, training for myself. But then I had three years of college and I had that hair experience and that beauty experience. So um, when I did the beauty, the lady trained me in nails. So then at the Saturday job, I had a little nail desk at the front. So it was my first taste of having a little bit of my own business. Yeah. Um, so that was really good. But then I went to work in London, um, lots of prestigious salons around Kent. I worked for Harrods, Selfridges, with the Tony and Guy. And, um, and then I settled down to a relationship and I thought, right, no, I'd like to have my own business. So that started off just literally in my room at home. Mm -hmm. Then it came into a separate building in the, in the garden. And then when that relationship broke down, I was like, oh my God, I've got nowhere to work. So I went to work for a friend and very quickly bought the salon off of her. So um, that was my first taste of having my own salon and the staff were tupid over. Um, I, I took on the lease. Yeah. Uh, and that was really you know really successful and I think it was only two years later that I had a little outlet within a, another business and then looked for another salon and I ended up buying a salon freehold um, actually at auction so um, we were filmed for the BBC so that was really exciting we're, you know and great for the opening and for our um, you know marketing and everything to get the salon going. What made you want to open up multiple salons? Um, I think when you're on that role of success and you've got really good staff in your existing salon you're, and it becomes a bit more comfortable, you're ready to, to move on to something else. Yeah. Um, yeah, I think you're just on that roller coaster of, of loving it, enjoying it and building and, well, the money's nice as well. <laughs> was you still behind the chair doing treatments when you was expanding? Yeah, so I did um, days both salons and I you know I worked nine till nine so yeah I was working a lot and then when I had my second salon I suddenly fell pregnant mm -hmm. and um, uh, I couldn't have kids so I'd gone 10 years not been able to have children so it, it was a real surprise a lovely surprise yeah and, uh, so obviously that calmed me down a little bit and when I had my second son uh, my first son was really poorly and he was in hospital for well quite a while I was off, off work for months so the girls took over everything for me which was lovely but I think when I went back then it just I'd lost that fire the passion for growing the business so that's when I'd started to look at maybe I'd sell the salons. Yeah because that's why I really was so keen to get you on the show today because I think a lot of salon owners get very much that we love our salons, but we don't look at the longer picture. We think, oh no, I'd never sell my salon. They don't think of exiting at all. And I think in business, it's very clever to look at exiting, like because obviously I've heard lots of entrepreneurs say you make most money when you sell, not when you're actually in it. Yeah. Um, I like more money selling. <laughs> what, sorry? I just make more money selling up. That's crazy. And then obviously you've gone on to setting up another one, which we'll go into later on, but what is that the reason that you wanted to sell them because of your children yeah ultimately I wanted to be a hands-on mum I think I'd waited so long to be a mum that I I felt that was the right decision um and you know it took a year and a half to sell the salon so it did take quite a while mm -hmm. um 
because you know well the, the freehold is quicker than the leasehold but um the freehold um i think i i've got 25 grand that i invested into it and um and then the rent paid me which paid the mortgage and because mm -hmm. it wasn't doing well we overpaid on it so although i'd only had it eight years we'd paid the mortgage off and the property was then worth 250,000. so the 25 in, uh, grand investment as well as earning me money a bit running a business i had that now i had that part of 250 grand plus the business goodwill on top plus the other business we sold as well so i think we bought a house for 300,000 after we sold and we renovated it and we sold it for 750,000 so wow um so it, it was a, an amazing thing to give us that core we, we're doing it again now with another property you know we've moved on we've now got a lovely property in the country and a half an acre that we're renovating but I couldn't have done the freehold without the leasehold you know you yeah. need that initial investment to move to move on but yeah I mean I still love having the salon and I've and I've now bought another one but I have bought a leasehold whether I'll move on to bigger things I don't know but at the moment you know I'm just quite happy with having a few different streams of income and loving being in the salon again so what made you want to open up a salon after you sold all of yours up um I think it was always been in the back of my mind um I love being in the salon and creating that culture and having the girls around me um I can feel it when I talk about it I just love it so I think it was always there, but my boys now are at senior school, they've just started. Um, and actually the salon is really close to their school. So whereas my priority was taking the kids to school, picking them up, being that hands-on mum. And I still work freelance, but I work sort of 10 till three every day yeah. um, around the kids. Now, you know, they don't particularly want me to pick them up from school. So this, they can walk up to here when they're ready, when they can go back to school. Um, so I feel like I've got that time and my priorities have changed again to, you know, give my everything into a salon. But I'm loving having a partner. Um, it's great. And Liv's only 20. Um, but, you know, she's, yeah, powerhouse. So that that's is so good. I bet it's really good working with a family member, isn't it? Yeah, I've loved having a partner. Um, I just think, you know, success is amazing, but success with someone else shared is even better. You know, mm -hmm. when, you're, when I was doing well in the salons before and it was just me making the decisions and me um, celebrating the wins on my own now having that partner to, to share the success with is amazing but I have got a lease I mean she's only 20 so um, exit plans are slightly different now but there is that possibility we could sell the lease on or we could take over another property so but yeah we'll do it together so it's really exciting yeah because even if someone has got a little I mean I've sold salons in, before as well so I guess even if if, if you have got a lease like you just sell the lease on don't you, you yeah, yeah. I, mean, for salon, I think you need to have all your accounts in order you need to staff in order don't you um you need to shop around for a good um commercial estate agents because some of them do sell you a big dream so you need to be realistic about what you think your business is worth yeah um, a good co uh, commercial solicitor as well keep on their case because <laughs> they the one that shouts loudest gets seen to first um and I, and I also would say don't rush out and do your salon up um I found that I almost sold them a dream of you know, it's, this sounds great, the business is great, but you could do this, this and this, put your stamp on it, put your name on it and sort of sell them a dream. And I was really fortunate, both of the salons that I sold, I had more than one person interested in them. 
So I did get my um, asking price, but you can find you get sucked into um, uh, a company that promises you that the business is worth perhaps a hundred thousand more than it is. And, and they sign you up for five years. So you can't then sell it for cheaper yeah. without giving them a commission. So yeah, there's things to look out for, but it, it was the best decision for me. It's put me into a, you know, a wonderful position of lifestyle now. Um, what about your your teams back then and now are they employed are they self-employed what does that look like in the salons um so my leasehold salon i took the staff over so i kept on the staff that was that i inherited and then i took on three apprentices so trained them through um and then those a couple of those girls went to my new salon the freehold salon and worked for me but um, because I wasn't there quite so much, I had three rented chairs in there. Mm-hmm. One of the apprentices was beauty and they were hair, hair based. So the beauty girl had a clientele from the, the rented chair girls. Yeah. So I've done both. I mean, I, I'm all for whichever suits your business. And, your, you know, some people are sole traders, some people are limited company mm-hmm. you know, partnerships. It, you need to make that, you can't listen to someone else's um, positions in a totally different position to you financially leases you need to make yeah. that decision yourself and, and with your accountant probably yeah definitely and when you were thinking of setting up then years ago was that something that you discussed with your team was it open or did you let them know once the deal was done yeah they knew once the deal was done yeah that's what we done when we sold yeah. it's really hard because you do feel like um I'm quite an open person I you know I tell everyone everything that was a really hard decision for me but I think when the focus for me was my kids and they knew um my one of my little boys had been poorly I think they understood yeah it was hard for them they I felt like their mum I was their mum and I was letting them down um the second salon the freehold salon I stayed working there so that was slightly different um I wouldn't <laughs> I think that was the worst decision she made personally you're buying <laughs> the goodwill of the business and I was a big core part of that and then you're letting that member of staff stay there and do the clients as a freelance basis but I think for her she wanted she didn't really want to go back to work her husband wanted her to get a job and I think she thought buying a salon would be an easier option and um yeah she she wasn't particularly hands-on and she just left us to get on with it really so are are both salons still there now um they've both been retaken over yeah that's the same what happened to mine as well I've got retaken over it's funny isn't it yeah and um one of them now the freeholds are barbers now so there's a young girl in there just running on her on her own so she's got this whole place but she's yeah they I think it was a shock to them I think it was a shock to the staff I think you realize your worth when you move on and you think you know something you've taken for granted you know it's hard work isn't it you need to put your hard yeah and I think the, the staff realize how amazing they have it as well until <laughs> <laughs> you sell it and they're like oh shit so anyone that's kind of like interested in selling or maybe not even thinking about it right now but it, it's a plan for them in the future what kind of tips would you give to them yeah, I guess, like I said, you need to have your accounts in order. You need to have your staff in order. You need, you know, don't rush out and do your business art because it, it you know, that's not what's important. It's not like a house that you need to make into a showroom. You know, they, they, they're going to put their stamp on it anyway. Um, but yeah, just 
keep shouting loud at your commercial solicitor get get a good one as well ask for some, some, for some advice and it does take a while I think mm -hmm. when I bought my freehold business um I saw it in an auction book at the weekend rung up on the Monday Tuesday was the last viewing and we bought it the following Tuesday I had to have the whole mortgage and everything in place within oh a week gosh and we completed within a month so you bought the building. Like, this is never going to happen, never ever. But everything just kept dropping into place. On the Tuesday that I was due, that the auction was on, I was fully booked, and I sent my husband and my brother. And then um, the night before, I had three people cancel. I was like, so I, I I went into work, sorted everyone out, and drove over there. So I was there for the um, the actual buying process which you know how often do three people cancel one after another yeah no things just fall into place it's really exciting and then obviously because I was there then they the team from the tv production came over to speak to me and you know we then went on that journey of being followed by the BBC which was great for you know publicity and opening the salon so you know things just drop into place when things are meant to happen but when it's the other way around you're trying to sell is a bit more difficult and then when you've got to have people viewing the place your, your team don't know you know I, I'm not I wasn't very comfortable in that situation but it you, you it was the best way for me to do it yeah it is really hard I'm exactly like you I'm an absolute open book if someone asks me a question I have verbal diarrhea of the truth all of the time <laughs> yeah they too much shut me up <laughs> And I remember when I sold my hairdressers and it was just like so difficult. We sold that really quickly though, really quickly, like within a space of like two months of putting it on the market. And um, the first person that looked at it brought it. So it was really easy. Yeah. So I didn't have people coming in and out all the time, but even just meeting them like after hours and that, you feel so bad. But take from them buying it though to the completion? <sighs> Literally, it was all done within the space of about four months. Oh, right, even with the lease being taken over, yeah, yeah, mine were useless. I mean, we sold pretty quickly because we had quite a few people wanting it, but they took forever. Oh, <laughs> you know, but the freehold people that was quick, so you know, it's different, isn't it? Different experiences, yeah, because I guess you had the two to sell. So, did you find that buyers were interested straight away, or did it take a time? Because you said it took about a year and a half, yeah, a whole it process. Took least one um to to sell it just took ages and I don't know why but it just did but the yeah the, the whole process from deciding and then actually having both of them sold was about a year year and a half but the I think the freehold probably was six six or seven months it was a lot quicker because they're buying they're, they're buying a, a, a property aren't they like a house sale rather than a you know yeah they're buying the business and the property yeah and I think over lockdown there's been a lot of salon owners I think we've all we've all been a little bit more sensitive to about our businesses over lockdown because it has been a year and everyone's worked so hard to, like for their companies to just see it go down and down and down there's been so many people talking about selling their businesses and they don't know whether to do it or do it but I've said to a lot of them just you can always pull it up and if someone comes along and you want to do it then yeah. you do it if not then you don't have to sell it that's right just put some feelers out and you can always sell someone within your business as well like I did with my first one you know there might be someone in your team that would like to buy the business that you could even maybe like the partnership that I've got help someone buy your business and take a back seat if you want to take a bit more time out maybe still earn from from the business but 
you know, let someone else come and take take over and run it with you. You know, there's so many options, isn't there, to investigate. I do feel like there's a lot of salons closing down because I have had a lot of staff asking me about jobs and things. So mm. it's a really difficult time. And I think that's why I do have quite a lot of different streams of income. When I would, when I did sell the salon, I was freelance. I did do, do some network marketing, um, yeah. which is another stream of income that some people do. I don't do it anymore, but... What um, company was you with with that? Um, I did a couple of different companies, but I had a team of 800 girls. So <gasps> wow. Um, you know, that leadership of running a salon come, come over with, with me, and but it took over my life. <laughs> and I, the reason I'd sold the salon was not to be so busy. So in the end, I, I did let, let it go. Um, I, I'm all for network marketing, but there are a lot of pitfalls as well. So... Yeah, but it was another stream of income. And like now I've got, I've developed my own product range. We've got the boutique, you know. So I think if you solely rely on your salon and it's closed now, I think it's it's quite difficult. And there's a lot of people pivoting their businesses. So, you know, like like you and doing your coaching and mentoring. Kind yeah. Of well, look for other options that, that can, you know, give you an income. So. definitely multiple streams is key and I think yeah. that's always been known it's always always been known but I think definitely over lockdown more people have realized okay I really do need to earn in other ways as well and yeah. um, lots of people gone down the network marketing route um product ranges and stuff like that tell me about your product range I don't know anything about that well we're just about to launch it so it's been really exciting we've got all the um we've just okayed all the product labels so we're at that stage but it's been um i guess almost a year now of looking at ingredients working out trying products and things like that trying to find something that fits a target market because of my age and Liv's age but she's 20 and i'm well i'm, ne- I'm gonna be 50 next month oh no God. way yeah oh my oh God. My- God, you look incredible. Oh, thank you. That's our job, isn't it? But, um, <laughs> so when there's 30 years difference between you and you're trying to find a, you know, big on branding and niche and salon culture and things like that, trying to find something that fits, it's a different type of thing. You know, when you're getting your ideal client in the, in the chair and then you're looking at product ranges, you, you've got a range for your young skins, you've got a range for mature skins, you've got to find something that fits that whole um you know type of all all the clients in the world rather than just niching down on your salon to your one ideal client so that's been quite tricky um but yeah i think we're there now and we've got a whole hair care range there's 20 25 hair care products and then there's 25 skincare products oh my god vegan cruelty free ticks all the boxes you know recyclable so initially we'll probably sell it in the salon and then we'll look at maybe, you know, doing something. We've, we've just started with um, testers of everything. So we're sending out packs to our clients, which is quite good fun. And then we're going to do some pamper boxes for, mm-hmm. for Valentine's Day so that people get a taste of everything to try. And yeah, so that's that's quite exciting. Where it goes, I don't know yet, but you, you can, you know, I think you've got to do each rung of the ladder, haven't you? You can't get up to that rung of the ladder before you've done all the little ones. So we're happy with the formulations. We're happy with the packaging now. So 
yeah how exciting congratulations it always starts like that just in salon my product range was just in salon and then expanded and loads of people have heard heard this where I used to just sell a bit of online and thought okay I'll sell some online and that wasn't really what I wanted to do but people were asking for it so I thought I'll put it online and then when I ordered through I said like god's sake I've got to go to post office I used to hate it when I got an order (laughs) through because I was like busy in salon and doing treatment or whatnot getting toes and we're literally like like sat down the post office every week at the moment because no one's got any money they've got money but they've got nothing to spend it on it's not like us in the salon where we're all poor at the moment you know everyone is furloughed so they've got money and they're not spending it or they're still working from home they've got money and they're not spending it so we've we've really sold loads and loads of clothes and we're like okay we need to get some more stock in and off we go to the post office again with all the bundles but yeah so have you developed your own skincare range not skincare we do lashes so we've got our own lash range adhesives everything that you need for lashes we're in the middle of doing a lash lift and brow lamination and a few other bits but as well sorry professional lines yeah professional only so I know how long it takes um but then mine just grew organically when it come to selling it online I thought okay people actually want to buy this yeah like not just in my salon and then you grow and grow so that's most probably the way that you'll end up going as well yeah I mean I've always had a passion I've trained with Clarins, Skino, Mericore, Elemis um Gatineau yeah so I've always had a real passion for skincare and um plant extracts aromatherapy you know real Mm. you know organic ingredients so it's been really nice to be able to actually put that into my own range now so yeah it's exciting you know when once the stuff starts arriving because it's you you get it in like you know not labeled product yeah while you're testing everything so now all the labels are okay it's like oh my god we're gonna have our own range so your own range you're going to be walking into your salon and have your own products on the shelf yeah bonnie face oh i love that is that your do it you can do it too where's that name from is that your surname um maiden name name. yeah so i'm joe halls but i was joe yeah joe and bonnie face i am and then my my niece is olivia bonnie face so uh, when you're looking for a name it's quite hard isn't it for your salon so um everyone's like why don't you use your name I'm like, no why don't you say oh I don't know and, and yeah I couldn't find anything better so it's it stayed with me for a long time and now having um live on board it's even more exciting is yeah. this is the salon called that as well then yeah, and your other salons what about they were they were they the same yeah, yeah Bonnie Face has been around now for like 20 odd years so Wow, I love that. So you built up a really strong brand around it. I guess so. Yeah, I mean, it's it was difficult when I sold because I thought I was selling with the names, but they they both changed the names, so I felt better really that it wasn't still my name on their salons. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. No, it's been it's it served me well. Definitely. Okay, so just to wrap up, just to put it on you then, if a salon owner come to you and wanted to build a successful salon, what top tips would you give them? for a new salon rather than building a salon. Yeah. Um, so ultimately who you're going to have who's going to be in your chair who 10 of what your best client think of your best client and you want 10 of them in your chair all day and start <laughs> with the end in mind so like you start with the haircut in mind that what it's going to look like at the end think about the salon being open and who you want in your what bum you want on your seat <laughs> And then design your salon, your marketing, your branding around that person because you need to be attracting the right type of clients into your salon. So 
and that goes across everything, all your branding. It will make you make decisions of what decor you have, what your staff wear, what food you have, refreshments you have. Um, you know, everything starts with that person that you want to have in your chair. And then be, just, you know, go with the flow. You're never, it's never going to be perfect. So do what you can with what you've got where you are. Mm. Work on, you know, get 80% perfect. Keep working on that 20% to make it, you know, what, what you want it to be. If, it's, if you're trying for perfection, you're never going to get open. So you've got to get, get open, get hands on and get in there. But yeah, I think I'd always have a lease or a freehold. So you have got that ultimate, if, if it all goes wrong, you've got something to sell on. Mm. But for me, I don't really think like that. I'm a, you know, full kind, glass kind of girl, not, <laughs> you know, empty. Yeah. And I think if you work hard, you've got some passion in you, you're going to make it a success. Yeah, definitely. Thanks so much, Joe. For anyone that wants to connect with you online, where can they find you? So Instagram, I'm Joanne Boniface, salon owner, and the business on Instagram is Boniface Hair and Beauty. And on Facebook, I'm Joe Halls, and the business is Boniface Hair and Beauty as well. So yeah, send me some DMs, message me. If you've got any questions, I'm quite happy to answer anything. Lovely. Thank you so much for giving up your time for me. You're welcome. Thanks for having me. Sorry if I've chatted on for too long. I do oh, like I ramble. I love, <laughs> I love a good chat, especially yeah. if down it just feels a little bit normal doesn't it oh, is it nice to just chat to girls I've got a house full of boys <laughs> <laughs> that's why you love the salon so much <laughs> everyone says don't you want a daughter I'm like I've got girl, enough girls here to look after <laughs> oh, oh no thank you very very much and I wish you all the best with reopening your salon again when we can thanks Katie If you love this episode, please share and tag us on social media at KG Salon. I always follow them. I always follow them. If you're a salon owner and would like to join our membership program, coffee, cake, and chat, get in touch for a space. Be around a like-minded tribe. Have 400 pounds worth of mentoring a month and push yourself to the next level. I love being a part of such a great community. Until next time, have an amazing, successful week.